Welcome everyone. Thank you for joining us once again uh, for the live webcast. Uh, Barry is still in Finland. Um, he comes home, he goes home on Monday. So next Wednesday, hopefully he'll be um, with us having got through the jet lag. Um, but he's having a good time in Finland. He was doing a weekend um, conference last weekend. Uh, I think he's got a meeting this evening and then a couple more over the coming weekend and then he sets sail for home but uh yeah he's he's been enjoying himself with with our friends over in finland so thank you for joining me this evening um just before we we start our topic um let me just remind you uh particularly for those in the uk um in in the north of england or north wales we've got a day um on the 17th of february well, I'll be speaking at Kinmel Bay Community Centre. Um, so uh, come and join us. Uh, Glynis, who's very often watching these webcasts, she's been organising this, and um, it's kind of um, I, I, it's kind of launching something new in that area. There's a few other things planned for the rest of the year, um, but come and join us on Saturday the seventeenth, um, ten o'clock to four o'clock. Um, and uh, as you can see from that 10 pound registration on the door but we're just looking forward to a great time together so if you're in the north of england north wales wales anywhere um come come and join us for the day <clears throat> got a number of other events um coming up uh over the next few months uh particularly trevor's uh, detail uh, trevor's two events before easter at cloverley uh, father heart encounter followed by a family week weekend um, and all of the details for all of the events over the next few months are on fatherheart.uk so if you go to the fatherheart uk website uh, you'll see details of all of the events there's a link for the contact person or the organizer and um, we'd love to see you at any of those um, last week i talked about the tree of knowledge tree of the knowledge of good and evil um, and tonight i want to go on and talk about the tree of life um, those two trees in the garden um, and i i was in the netherlands um, a few weeks ago and um, somebody was there and the thing they said to me i, I spoke on the, the two trees there and at the end of the first session the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil someone came up to me and said this is so foundational and I thought, yeah, you know, absolutely, it is. This is the foundation, of course, of, of, of all of humanity and how it all went wrong and the nature, really, um, of the orphan heart, um, which is the fruit, uh, in, in many ways, of eating from the wrong tree. But, you know, we had to talk about that last week um, because that's kind of the, the story of what's gone wrong. <laughs> Um, and it's important, but we don't want to dwell there because there's this other tree in the garden, the tree of life. And, you know, last week we, um, we talked about these two trees and, you know, how there, there'd been this separation between the Trinity and mankind and how one tree represents sonship, which we'll talk a lot more about this evening. And the other one represents the kind of orphan hearted way of life that we've become so familiar with and in, in many ways we've learned to to live in but it's not who we really are meant to be as christians um it's not how it was meant to be and um 
you know, we saw how the this tree has been all about trying to do the right thing. You know, what have I got to do that's right? And on the other side of it, of course, what mustn't I do? Now, you know, of course, you know, we don't want to do things that are wrong and we don't want to get involved with that. But what's underneath all of this is the heart attitude. And um, I ended up talking last week about how um, Luke chapter 15, the prodigal of the lost son, really kind of explains the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because in that story, we've got one son who was consumed by rebellion, <laughs> doing the wrong thing. And we've got another son, the older son, who was consumed with doing everything right. And um, Jesus tells that story to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, because they were a bunch of people who thought they were doing everything right. And what Jesus shows through that story is that both boys, both sons are outside the father's house. And the father goes out to both sons and invites them to come home. And it's interesting, it's the sinner, it's the rebellious son who comes home. The son who thought he was doing everything right doesn't come home. <clears throat> um, you know, he, he thought, you know, that everything he was doing, he, he, he spits out in bitterness, you know. I've never done anything wrong. I've always obeyed you. I've always served you. You know, you've never done anything for me. And that heart, that, that cry from the older son's heart um, really just depicts the sort of religious spirit that many of us have, have grown up with and lived with and Jesus redefines what sin is you know sin is anything that keeps us outside of the father's house and both boys were outside and it's interesting to see who came home you know what Jesus tells through this story is that one thing is just as bad as the other except the religious don't see it and so this tree of the knowledge of good and evil has become all about us trying to get right with God, trying to do the right thing, trying to please God, trying to win his favour, instead of receiving life from him and living in the life of heaven, letting, letting Jesus' life be our life. Because we're in Christ. And if we're in Christ, his life is our life. If we're in Christ, then... The way that the Father loves him is the way that the Father loves us. And so today I just want to pick it up from here and build the story and talk about the tree of life in, in a lot more um, detail because I get so excited um, about the tree of life. Um, to me, it kind of gives me a vision and it gives me kind of... Um, you know, it just sort of rekindles the desire in my heart. To say, yeah, this is what I want. This is who I am. <clears throat> and, you know, I, I said last week that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you know, it was put there in the garden. And when God finished creating everything, he said it was good. And so I had this question, what is good about this wrong tree? You know, what is the virtue of this, this wrong tree? And to me, the virtue, the goodness of this wrong tree is it gives us a choice because love always has to have a choice. You know, love is never manipulated. It's never coerced. It's never forced. It's, there's always a choice. There's a choice to receive love or there's a choice to reject love. And the father's heart was that we would always 
find life in him. That we would always come to him seeking life, seeking relationship. That we would want to discover what was right in him. But he put that tree there because we had to have a choice. And a choice has to have a minimum of two things. And so this tree represents a choice. You know, are we going to love him out of a desire of our heart? Or are we going to choose not to do that? And so this, this tree was there to um, hopefully to, for us to see it, but for us to be drawn into the heart of the Father, to find relationship with him. But of course, you know, we know it all went badly wrong. And we, we talked a lot about that last week. But I really just want to say at the, the outset that it really is possible for us to live from the tree of life. It really is possible for us to live in love. You know, yeah, we might have good days and bad days, but it's really possible for us to live from the tree of life. And, you know... I believe that's the Father's heart for us. And you know, what could have been automatic before the fall um, ended up being separated from us. And as we know from the story in Genesis chapter 3, God the Father drove Adam and his wife out of the garden so they wouldn't eat from the tree of life and live forever. Because if they did, they would live forever in a fallen, broken state. And the Father knew that was just too much for us. But the heart cry of the Father is that one day it will all be put right again. And we read about that in Ezekiel chapter 36. Ezekiel 36 verse 26 says, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you which will cause or motivate you to walk in my ways and to be careful to keep my laws. You see, Ezekiel sees that one day our heart will be changed. See, what we, what we, we talked about last week was in the garden, our heart was changed. The eyes of our heart became closed and the eyes of our mind became opened. And we talked about the consequences of that that Paul shows us in Ephesians chapter 4. But here Ezekiel says, one day it will all be put right. And the way God says he will put it right is he said, I'm going to come to you and I'm going to put my spirit in you. You know, my spirit will be your life and my spirit will motivate you or cause you to walk in my ways. You know, isn't that wonderful that even in the midst of our brokenness, even in the midst of our mess, the Father says, one day I will come and change and bring redemption. You see, we've rejected finding truth out of our relationship with the Father. We couldn't correctly determine what was right or what was wrong because we've been deceived by the crafty one with his corrupted wisdom. So whenever we think we've got something right, actually it's based on a corrupted wisdom, corrupted knowledge. And so we've lost this sense of finding truth out of relationship with the Father. And we've begun to rely 
on this corrupted wisdom. And the father sees into the future and he sees the redemption that's going to be brought about. But he does something, I believe, as a really clear interim gift for us. Um, and that's to give us, or to give his people in the Old Testament, to give them the law of Moses. Now, the law of Moses was always intended to be a relational framework to lead us to the Father. You know, the, when we look at the, the Ten Commandments, as we call them, they were statements of the nature and the personality of the Father. You know, when Moses asked to see God's glory in Exodus chapter 34, he says, show me your glory. And what he sees is the nature and the personality and the character of the father. The father passes in front of him and Moses sees compassion, mercy, love, forgiveness, faithfulness. You know, he sees the heart of the father. And the law that was given to Moses was was meant to kind of steer us back into relationship um, with the Father. But, you know, however much we tried, we, we, couldn't, we couldn't keep the law. <laughs> it was like God put a fence around us to kind of try and lead us back to him, but we just leapt over the fence and started relying on the corrupted wisdom and this wrong tree once again. And Paul really kind of just nails it for us in Romans chapter 7. Because he explains to us in, in Romans chapter 7, and I encourage you to read it later, but he, he says in verse 7 that the law is not sinful. Now, you know, kind of sometimes we look at the law and, and see it as just being the, the, the old, the old way. And, and in many ways it is, but we still have to remember that it was God's covenant with his people and his yes is a yes forever. And, you know, this was a, uh, this was a relational thing. And Moses says here, you know, the law is not sinful. He says the law is holy. And in verse 14 of Romans chapter 7, he says the law is spiritual. So he's listing all the good qualities of the law. He says, you know, this, hey guys, this is good. This, this was meant for our good. It doesn't save us. It, it doesn't provide salvation, but it's a framework that can lead us to our salvation. It's a framework that can lead us to relationship. And, you know, Moses, uh, uh, Moses Paul says, this is good. You know, it's spiritual, it's holy, it's not sinful. Um, it's supposed to lead us to Christ. But the problem is, and um, you know, this is a problem we, we all identify with. You know, despite the law being good, we just can't keep it. You know, we, 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 we just can't do it. And Peter, Peter really recognised this at the council in Jerusalem in Acts, um, Acts chapter 15. You know, they're all sitting there talking about how the Gentiles should behave and everything. And, you know, are the bits of the law the Gentiles should keep or, or whatever. And Peter stands up. <coughs> Excuse me. Peter stands up and says, why do you try to test God 
by putting on the necks of the Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear. Yeah, what Peter's saying there is, hey, hey guys, why are we trying to make them do something that we can't do? You know, we've tried for centuries. You know, we're God's holy people, God's chosen people. We've tried and tried and tried and we can't do it. So why on earth are we trying to make other people do it? And that's a really, really important statement that Peter made because it shows the whole sort of the nub of the issue. It shows us the problem that there is something going on that prevents us or is trying to prevent us from coming back into relationship with the Father. And Paul, going back to Romans chapter 7, he really nails it in verse 14, verse 14 to 17, because he kind of summarizes the human condition. You know, <coughs> and this is the Apostle Paul, right? So we kind of put him on a pedestal and think he's got it all together and, you know, everything else. But this is what he says about his own life. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. Yeah. How many of us can identify with that? You know, I, I don't understand what's going on. That's what, that's what Paul's saying. He's saying it about his own life. And then he says this, for what I want to do, for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. And as it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I do not do the good I want to do, but I do the evil I do not want to do. And this I keep on doing. See, what Paul is saying is there's something deeper going on in our hearts that he really wants us to understand. You know, and we all identify with Paul. You know, we do what we don't want to do and we end up not doing what we know we should be doing. And however hard we try not to do those things, we end up doing them. And however hard we try to do these other things, we, we, we don't do it. it does, something's not working. And Paul says, and he's absolutely right, of course, you know, it's sin living in me there's a force of sin in the heart of mankind that works against us finding the truth and <coughs> you know paul paul brings us back to this truth and as we read through the rest of romans chapter 7 he says you know what there is is despite the law being good and holy and spiritual there is the law of sin and death working inside of me that is preventing me, you know, finding life in him. The law of sin and death is trying to keep me attached to the wrong tree. And Paul says there's this law of sin and death. Now, the good news is he doesn't stop there, thankfully. Because he goes on to say at the beginning of chapter 8, you know, he's at the end of chapter 7, it's quite desperate really, you know, oh wretched man that I am, who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? <coughs> but then he sees beyond this and he says, thanks be.
be to the Lord Jesus. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ because through Christ the law of the Spirit which gives life has set us free from the law of sin and death. See, Moses says there's a law of the spirit of life that will transform us and set us free from this old way of living. You know what Ezekiel prophesied, Paul says, this is the day that the Father is putting his spirit into our hearts that enables us to cry, Abba, Father. You know, we're no longer a slave to sin, but we're sons and we have the spirit of sonship that enables us to cry, Abba. And God's spirit testifies that we are his children. His spirit is in us and his spirit will motivate us to walk in his ways. You know, isn't that beautiful? Uh, you know, Paul just kind of summarizes it so well there. Yep, the law of Moses was good, but we can't keep it because of this struggle of the law of sin and death. <coughs> but the overriding factor is we've got the spirit of life in us, which sets us free. And that's, that's why I get excited about this, because God has put his spirit in us. That cries out, Abba, God, you really are my father. You know, that spirit enables us to know that God is being a father to us. And that spirit, the Holy Spirit within us, reminds us that we're no longer orphans, but we're sons. And we can begin to walk in his ways, not out of our own strength, but out of the motivation of the spirit of life inside of us. You know, John 10 verse 10 says, the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy but I've come that you might have life and life in all its fullness. And that is the inheritance for us as sons and daughters, to live in the abundance of life. To live, to let his life be our life. So that we once again come to the source of life out of the desire of our heart and receive his life, his love, flowing into our heart. I want to take um, a little bit of time to talk about the tree of life as I see it in scripture, because again, this is something that I get very excited about. Um, tree of life is mentioned a couple of times um, in the Bible after Genesis. It's mentioned in Ezekiel 47 and, <coughs> excuse me, and again in Revelation. In Ezekiel 47, we know the story. Ezekiel is led by an angel out of the temple, out of the city, and he sees this river that's flowing from the temple, from the city. And this angel leads him into the river up to his ankles, up to his knees, up to his waist. And then it gets too deep. He can't stand. You know, he says it, it's, it's deep enough to swim in. And, you know, I think very often there's a tendency for us to think we've got to get in the river and we've got to go deeper and deeper and deeper. And we've got to start to swim. But, you know, Ezekiel never actually swims in the river. Um, you know, he's taken up to his chest, height, depth, where it's too deep to stand. And, you know, he's then got to swim. And the angel then says, have you seen this? 
And he says, yeah, I've seen it. And in, he doesn't swim, but he's led back to the bank of the river. And he's take, he gets out of the river. You see, and I think many of us have, have used this story to say, go deeper, go deeper, go deeper, swim, 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 swim in the river. But well, we all love a bit of, you know, great fun with the Holy Spirit. We all love those good times. But actually Ezekiel here, he didn't swim. He got out and the angel says, what do you see? And he sees on the banks of the river, trees, trees planted by the edge of the river. And the trees are fruitful. They bear fruit every month. And <coughs> it says the leaves, the leaves of the trees are for healing. You see, these trees are getting their life from the river and they are bearing fruit and their leaves are bringing healing. And, you know, this, this I, I really believe there's something here for us to see and to understand that maybe those trees are us. Because whenever we look, if, if we look through scripture and look at the instances when trees are mentioned, it very often is talking about us. So John 15, verse 5, you know, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, I in you, you'll bear fruit. See, there's, there's that um, commission, you know, well, there's that invitation to remain in him, remain in his love, and we will become fruitful. Um, John chapter 15, verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you to bear fruit, fruit that will last. Psalm 1, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields fruit in season and the leaves do not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Jeremiah 17 verse 7. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green and it has no worries in the year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. And there's a number of other scriptures that you can look up and you, you can see that when it's talking about a tree, it's talking about us being planted by the living water, producing fruit. And, you know, clearly there is a, there's a very real sense that Jesus is the tree of life, but we are in him. So, you know, what does that mean for us? And I, I look at this passage in, in, in Ezekiel and I, I look at these other passages, Psalm 1, Jeremiah 17, and I see this prophetic, um, this prophetic cry for us as sons and daughters to be like trees that are planted by the river of life. And we get our life from that river. Where's that river flowing from? That's flowing from the temple. It's flowing from the presence of God. We get life from the source of that river. It gives us life. It makes us fruitful. And you know, in Ezekiel and again in Revelation, it says the leaves are for healing of the nations. Now, let's just go back a little bit and look at the promise given to Abraham. 
You know, the promise given to Abraham way back in Genesis was that he would be fruitful and his descendants would be like the grains of sand on a seashore or the, the, the stars in the sky. And that nations would come to him and he would go to nations. See, the promise given to Abraham was the nations of the world. Yeah, and, and we are heirs, we read in Galatians. We are heirs of the promises given to Abraham. As sons and daughters, we're also joint heirs with Christ and our inheritance is the promises given to Abraham. So when, when God said to Abraham, I'm going to give you the nations, he's saying it to us. I'm going to give you the nations. They will come to you. You will go to them. You will be fruitful. The leaves, you will take healing to the broken wounded places of this world see galatians chapter 3 verse 14 says he's redeemed us in order that the blessing given to abraham might come to the gentiles through jesus christ so that by faith we might receive the promise of the spirit <coughs> and you can see why i get excited about this because if we see ourselves as being the tree of life, getting our life and our energy and our, or everything we need <coughs> from the river of life, that will make us fruitful and that will cause us to take healing to the broken world that we live in. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm just getting over that wretched thing called COVID. Um, but... And uh, hopefully next day or so it'll be gone. But yeah, in Christ, we receive all the promises made to Abraham. His promises are yes and amen. The law leads us to Christ. It reveals the nature of the Father and draws us back into relationship with him. So that we can live as sons and daughters. Living in all the fullness of everything that is always intended. <coughs> you know, in, in the promise to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 was, I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. That's the full rights of sons. That's sonship. That the world, the peoples of this earth will be blessed through us. And I, I've begun to see that there's more to the tree of life than perhaps we first thought. That this tree of life actually, sure, it represents Jesus, but we are in him. So we become part of that tree of life. And there's this picture of us bearing fruit every month, being fruitful. But we're getting our life from the river of life, which flows from the source, from the temple, from the presence of God. And we find what's eluded us for so long. We find a fruitful life where we, as John says in John, where Jesus says in John 15, we produce abundant and lasting fruit. You know, I think many of us have seen fruit a little bit here and there, but Jesus says, 
you're going to produce abundant fruit and it's going to be lasting. And that's the prophetic picture that Ezekiel sees, is that we will bear fruit every month. You know, we will be continually fruitful. Jeremiah sees the same thing. And Psalm 1, King David sees the same thing. We'll be like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields fruit in season and its leaves do not wither. wither. See, this is the promise for us as sons and daughters, is to live in life and to become the source of life for people around us. Not out of our own strength, not out of, you know, not life that comes from us, but life that comes from him that flows through us to other people. You know, the other time the tree of life is mentioned is in Revelation. <coughs> and there, it's a very similar picture to Ezekiel. There's one difference in Revelation, and I'll come to that in a minute. But Revelation 22, the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding fruit every month, and the leaves of the trees, of the tree, are for the healing of the nations. See, it's that great picture again, that the river is flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb. See, I, I've, I've heard people say that the tree of life in Revelation is Jesus. Well, he's sitting on the throne. It's the throne of God and of the Lamb. And the river, the life comes from, from that throne. The life comes from the Father. It comes from the Son. It flows down and it feeds the tree that's planted by the, the side of the great street. The tree is fruitful and the leaves of the tree are for healing of the nations. See, that's just, it's, I get so excited by this because I think, Father, will you do this? Will, your, will you pour your love into our hearts so much that we are so transformed that we become fruitful and we take that fruit and give it to this broken, messed up world who desperately needs it? That your love and your life will throw, flow through us and bring healing to the nations. And you know, I, I, I am so excited because I really see that this is what the Father wants to do. That when we are rooted and grounded in love, when we are planted in love, when his love becomes our life, it will so transform us that we won't want to climb the wrong tree and live out of our orphan-hearted ways. We will be so content and satisfied by living in the downward flow of life from heaven, that we would drink in that life, we would receive that life, we would let the Father pour his love into his, our hearts by the Holy Spirit, and that love would fill us up, it would comfort us, it would heal us, and it would flow out from us and do the same for this messed up world as it's done for us. I, I see from scripture that we can be the tree of life and that is is amazing 
the, 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 the one difference between Ezekiel and Revelation. In Ezekiel, he sees many trees planted by the river. But in Revelation, he just sees one tree. I think there will come a time when God's family will actually be united instead of divided. And instead of being many trees, fruitful, bringing life to the nations will be one tree taking life to the nations. It's the Father's heart for his children to be united. He doesn't like division in the family. He wants us to be united. And I just think that little small change in the way it's, it's written in between those two accounts is very, very significant. That the Father sees one family getting its name from him, getting its life from him, living in that flow of life and taking that life to the world. <clears throat> I want to go back briefly to the story in Ezekiel when he's got out of the river and he's seen these trees. And then the angel takes him on, on a walk back to the city and they measure off the land and each tribe gets a portion of the land and they go back through the um, they go back through the city and they go to the temple the source of God's presence the source of that river of life and that's where Ezekiel is taken back to and I think yeah I want to live there too I want to live in the source of the Father's presence the source of his life I want his life to be my life I want to be close to the source I don't want to be downstream somewhere paddling around I want to be right at the source of life and when Ezekiel's finished measuring everything off and gone back to the temple the book of Ezekiel closes it comes to an end the last four words and in my Bible they're in capital letters says the Lord is there the Lord is there and that's what I long for and I hope we long for that together is we want to be where he is we want to find the source of his presence and make that our home to live there right at the source of life see in the garden the eyes of the mind were opened we sought rightness and wrongness out of corrupted wisdom rather than out of relationship. And it's messed us, messed us all up. It's messed our education systems up, our political systems up, our business systems up, our families up, our churches up. You know, it's, it's really just messed up the way we think, the way we believe, the way we relate to God. But he wants to show us another way the way that he always longed for, the way that he always wanted, which is for us to live as sons and daughters, receiving life from him. That we hear those words of Jesus, the enemy has come to kill, steal and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and life in all its fullness. And I, I just want to say 
to us all as I finish tonight that if we are to be the tree of life, if we are to be fruitful, if we are to take fruit to the nations and, and healing to the nations, then we need to be planted by the source of life. We need to be receiving life constantly. You know, a tree doesn't walk in and walk out. It's always plugged into the source of life. You know, and I want for us that our, the roots of our life go down deep into his love. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3 that we would, we would be rooted and established in love to know the depth and the height and the width and the length of his love for us. And that love, Paul says, goes beyond knowledge, surpasses knowledge. See, I, I, I believe the Father's heart for us is that we are so rooted and grounded in love that the only thing that gives us life, the only thing that gives us energy, the only thing that motivates us is his love being poured into our heart. And it's like his love becomes our sustenance and our energy and it makes us fruitful. It's not we have to be fruitful in our own strength and our own efforts. We can't be. But we're, we're a tree planted by living water and that energy comes into us, that life comes into us, that love comes into us and we begin to be fruitful. And the world around us that is so messed up and broken can begin to change. We no longer want to hide from his presence. Instead, his presence becomes our delight and the source of our life. His life becomes our life. And as we allow God to be a father to us, we rediscover everything that we lost. We find truth, we find what is right, we find what is good out of relationship with him as our father. We don't have to seek it for ourselves in man-made religion. We find truth in him. And that, I really believe, is walking as Jesus walked. You know, we've talked about these laws that are working. We want to live from the law of the spirit of life, which will set us free from the yoke of slavery that we've so often lived under. You can see I get excited about this because I really believe there's a lot more to the tree of life than we've seen. I think this, yes, we receive life. Jesus is the tree of life, but we are in him. And I hope you've been able to see as we've looked at some of those passages that we are like a tree too, that is fruitful and is a blessing. And that's my heart. I believe that's the Father's heart for us as sons and daughters. Is we live in life, in love, and we become life and love for others. Not our own life, not our own love, but his life and love flowing through us. <clears throat> Just want to pray before we finish that there would be an outpouring of his life into our hearts. That there would be a desire in all of our hearts to, there'll be a desire in our hearts to 
pursue life. To allow the spirit of life to motivate us and cause us to walk in his ways. I just pray that there will be that outpouring of life for us today. And that we would be fruitful, that we would bear fruit. You know, we would be producing abundant fruit, that we would take healing to the nations. So Father, I just thank you for this wonderful thing that you're doing. Father, I just thank you that you're pouring your love and your life into our hearts. Father, I thank you that we can be rooted and grounded in love and that your love and your life can be the source of everything we need. Father, may we be like trees planted by the living water, <clears throat> drinking from that river of life. May we be fruitful. May we bring healing to this broken world. Father, just pour out your life. Pour out your life into our hearts just right now. Father, I just want to pray there would be a real explosion of your life into our hearts. I pray there would be a real explosion of your love into our hearts. That we would see something about how you're calling us and taking us to take this life and this love to the nations. Father, may we feast on life. Father, may we not be satisfied with a little bit, but may we just probably be like Ezekiel who went right back to the source. The Lord is there. <clears throat> Father, would you just pour out your love into our hearts now. Father, would you be come and father us so much that it would set us on this pathway to freedom, this pathway to life. Thank you that Jesus, that you came to give us life and life in all its fullness. And I just pray, Father, that you would pour that life into our hearts. Just explode within us that life. Yeah, thank you, Father. Father, don't, Father, I just pray we wouldn't be satisfied, but we would always pursue more life, more freedom, more joy, more peace, more rest. I just pray, Father, for that supernatural outpouring of your life right now in Jesus' name. That you would transform our lives, that you would just, Father, we would see the futility of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And our hearts would be turned to finding life that flows from you. So Father, just pour your love into our hearts. Set us free. Set us free tonight, Father. Set us free from our orphan-hearted ways. Set us free from feeling we've always got more to do in order to please you. Father, set us free from the futility of man-made religion. Set us free from our rebellion that causes us to walk in our own pride and independence. Father, just set us free right now in the name of Jesus that we would pursue life and life in all its fullness and you would set our hearts free. Thank you, Father. Amen. You can kind of see I get excited about this and I hope you've got excited about it too.
because um, I just believe this is what the Father has for us. Thank you all for being with me this week. Come and join us next week. As I say, Barry will be back from Finland. Um, and it'll be the two of us, same time, same place, uh, next Wednesday. So thanks for joining us and see you then. <laughs>